Hi, friends. Thanks for joining us. Happy St. Patrick's Day. We just celebrated that, and I know it's a little bit late, but I wish you a happy St. Patrick's Day. Let me ask you a question. When you think of St. Patrick, what initially comes to mind? It's probably drinking, because most people associate St. Patrick's Day with drinking. And the other thing that might come to mind for you is that he drove the snakes out of Ireland. Well, neither one of those really have much evidence to support that they're factual. They're just things that got added on to his story over the centuries. What I'd like to do is very quickly tell you the story of St. Patrick. And it might blow your worldview a little bit, but St. Patrick actually wasn't Irish. He was British. He grew up in the 5th century, and he was son to a fairly wealthy family in Britain. But when he was 16, he was actually um, kidnapped or taken hostage by a group of Irish raiders. And he was taken back to Ireland. And he actually spent six years in captivity there. And while he was in captivity, he had to do things like... um, take care of the animals, the sheep, and had a lot of time that he spent by himself. And in that solitude, in his captivity, in his isolation, gee, that sounds a little bit familiar today. He actually was able to um, renew the faith that he kind of sort of had growing up, and he became very connected to, to Jesus through that experience. And after six years, somehow he was able to escape from captivity and traveled to he, till he got to the shore of Ireland and then somehow got back to Britain and continued to live out this newfound faith of his and over time sensed God calling him back to Ireland to go and to serve the people there and to serve them by bringing the good news of Jesus and living among them. And, and helping them. And there's this beautiful image of St. Patrick who was held in captivity and then in his new freedom being invited to go back and to serve the very people who had held him captive. And when we hear stories like that, we just see there's something beautiful in that. And that kind of ties in with what we've been exploring over the last three weeks when we've been talking about a beautiful community and what a beautiful community looks like. So if you ask the question, what does a beautiful community look like? It's probably easier, maybe for you, I think it is for me, it's easier to answer what a beautiful person looks like. It's a little more difficult to think about a beautiful community. But what we've kind of done is narrowed it down and said, you know, beautiful communities value things like transformation, things like connection. And then what what we're addressing today is this idea of serving. So I, I think for new life, if we could sum up our cultural values, we have nine of them. And you can find out more about them. Look on the website. If you can't find it there, send me a note and and I share that with you. But we can sum our cultural values up into these three ideas of wanting transformation to happen, not only in individuals, but actually within us together as a community. Wanting for people to experience solid connection um, where, where everyone feels like they belong and 
together, unified. And, and that's what we're striving for. And then today is addressing this idea of serving. And the story of St. Patrick is just this beautiful illustration of, of being freed and then within our freedom, choosing to serve other people. And actually, I was, I was debating whether to talk about St. Patrick or Nelson Mandela, who is just another wonderful example of the very same thing. And you can read about his story in much more detail as well. So the Apostle Paul has something to say about serving, and, and it's found in another letter that he wrote to Christians in the province of Galatia in uh, ancient um, Middle Eastern times. And in modern-day Galatia, like Galatia where it was today would be part of modern-day Turkey, and Paul was writing to Christians who were kind of scattered throughout that region, and he wrote a letter, and it's called the Letter of Galatians. It's in the New Testament. And he writes a lot about freedom that we find in Christ. When we turn to Jesus, we find in him things that we couldn't find in, in ourselves, in religion, um, or anything like that. And, and Paul in chapter 5 uh, talks quite a bit about being, being free in Christ. And when we are freed by Christ, when we turn to Jesus and find freedom that he gives us, it's the Spirit of Christ that begins to do things in us, that begins to draw out of us the, the things that, that God wants to develop and to grow. And so Paul writes in verse 5, We who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive the, by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. And he says, when we place our faith in Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised or uncircumcised. And he's talking about ritual practices there. But he says, what's important is faith expressing itself in love. Now, the verses I want to focus in on today. Verse 13 to 15. Paul says this, You have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. And so, you know, here in these verses, Paul is talking about being free in Christ. And when we are freed in Christ, the one thing that will help us to live out that freedom is not to focus on ourselves, but to actually turn our eyes outward. And to focus on how we can be a blessing to other people, how we can serve other people. And I wonder if that comes across as a little bit counterintuitive. Because in our culture, um, and, I, and I, in some ways I think it's, it's pretty natural to think, well, if I love myself first and take care of myself first... You know, if I put the mask on first, then I can help by putting the mask on other people to use the airplane analogy. And, and I think there's, you know, a kind of, you know, it feels like a natural wisdom there. And while I don't think I would discredit that, I think what Jesus gives for us and what Paul is again conveying here in these verses in Galatians 5 is actually the value of, of personal growth and health in our ability to actually look towards what we do for other people rather than just feeding 
feeding what's going on inside. And it kind of draws out this idea of, uh, you know, the greatest commandment, love God with your whole being. It's from Matthew 22 when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus doesn't give one. So most people would have said from Deuteronomy 6, it's love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But Jesus actually adds another commandment to it from, from Leviticus chapter 19, love your neighbor as yourself. So when asked what the greatest commandment is singular, Jesus gives two and says these two actually equate as one. And so that, you know, that ties into this idea of the golden rule that so many people want to live by, do to others what you would have them do to you. And we like that. And, uh, and that is a great place to start. But I think what Jesus does and what Paul is conveying here is, um, particularly for, for us in the church, um, if you're part of our New Life family, then, then this is especially uh, something to consider, is, is it's not just if we do to others what we want them to do to us that we've kind of done what Christ wants us to do. That's the starting point. And then Jesus calls us beyond that. Because what you see Jesus doing is actually transforming this idea of the greatest commandment. So in another place, in Matthew 22, he gives the two, love God and love others like you love yourself. These two are one. In another place, when in Matthew 19, when a, when a rich young guy comes to him and says, well, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Tell me what I should do. They talk about the commandments. And Jesus quotes from the Ten Commandments, but he doesn't quote any of the ones that have to do with God. He quotes from the ones that have to do with how we treat other people. And then he tacks on to that and love your neighbor as yourself. And, uh, and you see this uh, very strong emphasis on... Loving your neighbor as yourself is the way that you show your love for God. And I'm so grateful that Jesus did this because I think what happens naturally in some ways is we can get caught up in gathering together and professing how much we love God, which in some ways is an easy thing to do because it, it doesn't require... Um, much more than kind of giving a show of, you know, hey, I love God. Let's sing a song to him and I'll pray to him with people. And when we gather together, I think there's a, there's a temptation to kind of put on that front of expressing how much we love God. But what Jesus does is he ties in the personal element to it. And he sends, in essence, what he's saying is, if you want to express your love for God, then do that, not by singing songs, not by saying prayers, but by loving other people. And that's where the rubber meets the road. So Jesus is bringing these two together. You see this greatest commandment being transformed from both love God and love your neighbor to really loving your neighbor is how you love God. And you see that in Matthew 19. And then the, the early followers of Jesus, the leaders who are writing these letters in our New Testament, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle James, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle John, all of them are, are writing about these things. And, and I made a few, just a few notes here. In, in James chapter 2, James is talking about how we're tempted to favor some people over others. And he says, no, 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 we love our neighbor as ourselves. 
And so he's not talking about loving God at all. That's gone now. It is just the one thing we focus on is how we love our neighbor as ourselves. In Romans 13, the Apostle Paul writing says, you know, if you want to fulfill the requirements of the law, then you love people like you love yourself. Loving your neighbor is fulfilling the law. And here in Galatians 5, you know, Paul says, listen, if you want to talk about living out God's law, then we'll just sum it up into one thing that you've got to do. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. First uh, Peter chapter 4, Peter says, you know, the most important thing that we need to focus on is how we love one another. 1 John chapter 3 and chapter 4, uh, the John who's writing this letter uh, is saying, you can't say you love somebody and then not help them. Um, if you want to talk about being God's children, then God's children love one another. They love the people around them. And see, uh, the golden rule is the starting point because not only does Jesus equate it with loving God, but then in, in the Gospel of John, in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the, the historical account, the biography of Jesus that this guy named John writes, in John 13, Jesus is approaching his death. He has supper with his disciples. He washes their feet. And then he says this, I'm giving you a new command. Well, wait a minute. I thought that the greatest commandment was that we should love God and love others. And Jesus says, yeah, well, that's good. But I'm giving you something new now. And that is, not only do I want you to love others like you love yourself, and not only do I want you to treat others like you would want to be treated, I want you to love others like I have loved you. Now, that takes serving others to a whole new level. Because no longer is it about, well, you know, this is good for me, so that'll be good for you. Jesus is saying, love people like I loved you. Well, how did Jesus love us? The example that Jesus gives is the most pure example of unconditional love, not only for the people that loved him, but even for the people who hated him. It is a pure love even for enemies. And it is a love that is willing to lay its life on the line for someone else. Self-sacrificing love. And that seems so counterintuitive. And I'm sure for for many of us, uh, you might be in this position where you're going, is really Jesus? Is Is that really how it works? And you might find yourself being a little hesitant toward trusting him on that. And yet Jesus calls us to that. And Paul is saying, in the context of freedom, when we are freed in Christ, rather than using that freedom to focus on ourselves, and he talks about feeding our sinful nature or indulging our sinful nature or satisfying it. And we all know the tension of of living with kind of that old person and all the things that we want to get rid of in our life. And it's so hard to get rid of. And, and, and all, the, all the biblical writers, these early Christ followers are saying, turn to Jesus and let Jesus deliver you from that stuff rather than doing it yourself. And, and Paul here is saying that freedom in Christ is, 
is found in living out the law of Christ, that we love others like Christ loved us. We serve others, and that solidifies our freedom so much more than focusing on any type of ritualistic practices. And so I think that's sometimes what we find. If I go to church, if I read my Bible, if I say my prayers, that will make me right with God, and I can be this wonderful Christian. And again and again, people like the Apostle Paul in their writings are saying, if you are looking to those things to make you right with God, then you've got, you've got yourself confused. For the, the people in this letter that he was writing um, in Galatians, Paul's talking in chapter 5 and other places all about circumcision. And he says, if, if you're trusting for circumcision to save you, then, then Christ is useless and, and circumcision isn't going to do anything for you. That's not an issue for us today. But it's not circumcision specifically Paul's focusing in on. It is the ritualistic practices that we tie to this idea that those things make us right with God. So it wasn't just for them. It's stuff that that people wrestle with today. So many people in our world, I think, equate, if I'm a good person, somehow that makes me right with God. And Paul is just saying, it is Jesus who frees us. From the things, from, from the, the sin in our life, from the brokenness in our life, it is Jesus who, who shows us God's love. It is Jesus who establishes God's kingdom and invites us into that. He does so many things for us, but it's just Jesus. And then the response out of receiving that when we turn to Christ is how we allow him to turn our eyes outward. You know, so we're centered on Jesus and his gaze is always outward. And so we're invited to serve others as a way of living out the freedom that we have in Christ. And, and, and I think as I read chapter 5, I think that's what Paul is getting at here. And it brings me back to what I've said many times. God is more concerned with how well you love, how well we love, than how much you know or how much we know. And in fact, in, in verse 15, Paul warns, if you, if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out because you are destroying one another. And I wonder sometimes if when we get too caught up in focusing on knowledge, that we want to know the right things, have the right answers, um, that that's what leads to the, the, biting, the biting and the devouring because we disagree with each other. And in a world where people are are so widely polarized right now. Knowledge is not what we need to be focused on, at least for those of us who who have found freedom in Christ and who want to follow Jesus. The advice given by someone like Paul is, then use that freedom in how you serve others. Go and love other people like Christ has loved you. And as a community, if we value this kind of serving, then not only is it good for for me as an individual and you as an individual, but it transforms us as a community as we are connected together in this mindset of, of serving others as the best way to experience and to live out uh, this new life that we have in Jesus. So when we talk about valuing transformation or valuing connection, or valuing service, there's, there's some rationale to that because really, uh, you know, when we serve others, it's the best way that we can express our love for God. There is no better way to express your love for God than your ability to go and to love somebody and to serve them, to put their needs even ahead of your own. 
when we serve people, we are, we are showing our love for Jesus. We are obeying what Jesus has called us to do. When we serve people, it's solidifying the freedom that we have in Jesus. It keeps us centered on Jesus. And actually, serving others benefits everybody who's involved. It benefits the receiver, but just as much or probably even more. And I think we probably, you know, we know this to be true. When we help other people so often, we get more of a blessing out of it than the person that we're actually helping. And that's that counterintuitive thing that happens that Jesus calls us to that Paul is recommending here in Galatians 5. You want to experience freedom in Christ? For yourself, then turn your eyes outward to other people and begin to, to using some, some biblical language, um, serve people like Jesus did in John 13. Take up the basin and the towel. Wash people's feet, so to speak, to use an imagery. So I guess this is what I would leave you with to think about. If serving is the best way to show our love for God, if serving others is, is a great way to actually solidify our freedom in Christ rather than focusing on rituals, then who is there in your life that could be a blessing to you by serving them? And I would encourage you this week just to think about uh, a couple people that, that might actually you know, not only need you to serve them, but actually they would be a blessing to you because you choose to serve them. I hope you find that encouraging. Uh, We value serving at New Life. We value connection. We value transformation. And these things together, I think, are what make us a beautiful community. And I hope you find that to be true. Bye for now.